When it comes to fighting for our families, every parent fights with their whole heart. Welcome to Wholehearted, a podcast by real parents about real issues involving child custody, co-parenting, and family court. Please welcome your hosts, Josh and Kelly. Welcome back to Wholehearted. This is episode number seven, Stepping It Up, 10 Tips for Step Parenting and Staying Sane. I am your host, Kelly, along with my husband, Josh. Hi, guys. Um, And it's been a little while, a couple of weeks, I think, now since we've recorded. Um, It's been kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy couple of weeks for us in terms of health and and all of that. Um, We've had a lot of illness in our house. Um, I actually have been... Uh, off of work for, uh, I think, seven working days, not counting last weekend or this weekend. Um, I was diagnosed with pneumonia earlier in the week, um, and Josh has not been feeling great. Yeah, I've had a virus, and uh, our oldest uh, daughter was diagnosed with strep, but her... It's likely strep. Likely strep. Uh, they sent the culture away. We still haven't heard anything back, but they're treating it as right. strep. So it's been so three, three out of five of the human beings in this household have been down for the count this week. Um, and, and really, honestly, for me, it was probably about nearly a week prior that I was starting to really not feel great. So, you know, really, we just had this domino effect of, uh, I think we mentioned on the last show how we had gone to Mexico, and then we had Thanksgiving. And then um, I, we went back to work after the Thanksgiving break. I think I worked for three days, and then I was out again. So, um, and I've been out ever since. So, uh, you know, as, as things stand now, the plan is that I'm going back to work on Monday, which I'm really excited about. But, you know, I have to be really careful. One of the things I'm not very good at is judgment in terms of not pushing myself too hard. Or so slowing down. Right. So it's a, it's a lesson in moderation for me. But you might hear me using an inhaler at some point while we're recording. Um, and it is or a, both of us coughing. I was going to say, it's, it is a definite that you'll hear us <laughs> coughing at some point. Um, so we're going to certainly try and move away from the mic when that happens. But we apologize in advance. Um, so general updates before we dive into the main subject matter of today's show. Um, well, first of all, before I even get into updates, I want to... Remind everyone of our email address, which is wholeheartedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can look us up on Facebook by um, putting Wholehearted Podcast into the search, and we will show up. Our logo is like two little thumbprints that look like a heart. Um, and please feel free to, to reach out to us there, um, You know, send us messages or questions. We've been having some really great experiences lately interacting with people both online and then over the phone, and it's been you know very rewarding. So... We are, we are very available, and we'll make ourselves available to you if, if so needed. So you know, please feel free to reach out. Um, but anyway, updates. It's holiday time. Yay. Josh isn't a huge fan of the Christmas holidays, to be honest. He's a, he's, he's a Thanksgiving person. I, I don't like buying gifts or people buying me stuff because if I want something, I'll buy it myself. And we were actually talking about this the other day about... Uh, gift cards and you know because I have a Jeep and I want to do some updates to it and you know Kelly mentioned about like oh you know would you like a gift card and I was like not from you because that's taking money out of our bank account and putting it on a card and then you giving it to me and then I'm going to take that money and then additional money from the account if to whatever I'm purchasing and it's 
just as much as just buy stuff with our normal bank card. So, and I don't like, I also like buying nice things. So I don't like buying cheaper version of things because they tend to break and not be, you know, as good as something that's nicer. And so I don't like putting that on to other people, you know, whether it's making them feel guilty, like they have to get me something like that or not get me anything at all. You know, and and I've been gone so many years as far as deployments that I I wasn't even tracking which day. I mean, I've I've made phone calls home, and you know, someone my mom's like, "What are you guys doing for Thanksgiving or or Christmas?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's coming." <laughs> I I I would be fine with skipping over to the new year. Plus. I really can't get into the Christmas type uh, season feeling in, unless it snows. And so the only time it snowed so far in Maryland, we were in Mexico. So, Not that we're complaining about that, although it's, it is bitterly cold here. But um, no, I think I've always actually been a huge holiday person. Um, but I think that I am evolving towards more of a, a minimalist style of, of Christmas for a variety of reasons. I think one of them is um, purely financial and logistical. You know, I, I went from being a mother of one to a mother of three, and as our kids get older, their gifts and their tastes inevitably become more expensive, and um, especially our oldest daughter, um, but actually our son as well. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of this has to do with technology um, and, and just what's popular now. But, but, you know, our, our youngest daughter, you know, we asked for Christmas lists from them, and, and our youngest daughter gave us this really great Christmas list that had lots of different things at different price points. And it wasn't that she intended to do that. She just wrote down the things that she wanted, and those things ran the gamut from, you know, a couple of dollars all the way up to, like, thousands of dollars. And she didn't necessarily know that. She asked for a gaming computer. Um, and, like, you know, it was one of those... You know, we had a good laugh because at no point would that ever happen. Um, but, you know, things things like that, I think that she just gave us a really good sense of um, stuff that she wanted. And when there were things that we knew she, we wouldn't be able to get her, there were plenty of other things to buy. However, our oldest daughter and our son both asked for, like, five things. And, you know, one of them is, like, Beats headphones <laughs> or um, a $350 mm-hmm, Lego Bugatti car. And, <laughs> and, I mean, just things that I think that, you know, for us, we're, we're having a little bit of a a challenge trying to remind them of the value of a dollar or a hundred dollars, um, depending on which kid we're talking about, um, and how to take care of things. And so I think that it's, it's taken a little bit of the luster out of Christmas for us. I think we've actually both sort of feel that way is that Christmas just doesn't seem as much fun when the kids see it more as like a cash register. Well, yeah. And like you said, like, you know, buying certain things and, you know, the Beats headphones is one thing, and I, we've talked about this. You know, if she was responsible and took care of things and we knew they would last for a long time, they're good headphones, we wouldn't have a problem for getting them. But we also know that they would probably be broken, you know, before she graduates high school, if not before she even gets into high school. Because she doesn't take argue, care of it. Honestly, I would argue that they would be lost long, yeah, long before and that. And she just doesn't take care of things. And, you know, as far as our son, you know, the, the $350 Lego, I mean, he loves Legos. He puts them together and that's it. And so, you know, 
I remember um, it was a couple years ago, I think almost three years ago, uh, Kelly and her ex had went to parent-teacher conference when we were living in West Virginia. And at that time, you know, he didn't really like me going to the parent-teacher conference, and so I stayed at home uh, with our son. And Kelly opened up her Amazon account, and we only had him at the time uh, on that night, and said, all right, put stuff that you want for Christmas in the, uh, in the cart, and I can look at it later. And I looked at the cart and text Kelly in the middle of uh, parent-teacher conferences, like, you don't have, like, push button, like, one one-touch purchase to you. She's like, no, why? I was like, he has $2,000 worth of toys. Yeah, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was like, you know, helmets for go-karts and just crazy things. Like, it, was, it was like $250 Lego kits yeah. and like three of them. And it was just like, I was like, please don't touch the one purchase button. <laughs> you know, I think that honestly, part of what the challenge is for, for all families, but for certainly blended families too, it, during the holiday season is the the capitalist society we live in, which, I mean, we're all consumer-driven. That's just where we, how, how things are navigated in the world now. But So there's that. But I also think that, you know, we feel a, a, a good deal of pressure about making Christmas this kind of magical existence for the, for the kids. And, you know, I certainly have been guilty of putting a lot of pressure on myself about that in the past. I know that I was always, I, I always have an ideal in my mind of how I'd like things to go. And I've learned over the course of the last few years, certainly, but even before that, you know, that ideal just usually, it's usually not possible. It's not reasonable. Um, perfection doesn't really exist. And the Christmas that you see on, on the Lifetime Movie Channel isn't necessarily the Christmas that exists. It's, that's, you know, that is a, a false reality. And so, that kind of, you know, feeds into what our main topic about is today about, which is um, really kind of looking at step parenting from a more reasonable perspective. Um, and and the reason we actually chose this topic kind of piggybacks onto the whole concept of holidays as well, but also because we, we try to use, like, if we don't have a specific question we're addressing on the show, we try to use our, our personal experiences, like what we're going through, as like a as a guiding you know force, and lately we've had some challenges when it came to sort of the the step parenting roles, um, you know, of, of how to handle certain situations and who is responsible for what you know part of that, and you know when to to step in and when to step back, and and so I think in looking at the way we've chosen to do things, we've got some we've got some strategy strategies I think are really successful and strategies that we're proud of, but all of those strategies are things that we've had to use, you know, kind of trial and error to figure out what works for us. And so, you know, I should say, you know, that these, while these are our tips for our kids, um, you know, it's, it's important to remember, of course, that our kids are, um, you know, upper elementary, lower middle school um, ages. So, you know, imagine, like, like a, you know, between the ages of 9 and 13, um, and then, you know, so we're not talking about really little or, or almost adults. We're talking about kids, you know, that are kind of right in the middle of that. And, and so this might not all apply depending on how old your kids or your stepkids are. Um, and also that, you know, these are what work for us. And hopefully they're things that can be helpful to some of you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, right for everybody. And, and everybody has to kind of do what's best for them. So, um, 
so yeah, so I think we'll we'll go ahead and kind of jump into that. I want to really quickly make sure that I mention the disclaimer, which is just that neither Josh nor I are attorneys or therapists, um, even though we like to pretend to be sometimes, um, and that uh, you should not take this as legal advice specific to your case. Um, if you're looking for legal advice specific to you, the best thing to do is to consult an attorney. Same thing with, with therapy. If, there's, if you're looking for specific therapy, relative to you and, and your situation, then it's great to talk to a therapist who is qualified to do so. Um, all right, so we, we're doing, doing sort of like a David Letterman top 10 kind of list here. So this is Josh and Kelly's top 10 tips for step parenting like a boss. <laughs> um, hashtag like a boss. No, so I think um, we'll go down the list and, and I, I'm going to kind of read the rule or read the rules, read the, the tips and then um, Josh will probably give you more insight into kind of how these things how these things work out in our house. Um, so tip number one is it's all difficult, which doesn't sound particularly positive, but the message behind it's all difficult is um, that you shouldn't expect perfection. Um, remember that Hollywood, the Hallmark Channel, and you know family members, while you know well-meaning most of the time, um, aren't you, and that they can't possibly give you a honest perspective of what parenting and step-parenting should be like. So it's all difficult. Do your best. Well, and there's a lot of factors <laughs> in that, you know, like Kelly mentioned, the, the hallmark, you know, step-family, you know. Perfect blended perfect family. Perfect blended family thing. You know, the majority of the stuff we're talking about is high, high conflict cases. And so, you know, in, in our situation, you know, it's more so one-sided, you know, with, with my, my daughters is that we have someone that's fighting against us on everything, you know. And so there's a lot of parenting stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, you know, on a weekly basis because the girls go to their mother over, over the weekends. And so when we get them back, you know, it's sort of a free-for-all weekend. And then, you know, we're the rule, rules, you know, we have the rules, we, we, we punish we don't get a lot of parenting time per se as far as you know they're at school we're at work and then we come home we deal with homework we deal with activities we deal with dinner and bedtime so you try to do as much as you can with that um you, you want to say anything i just me? think that like the, the the whole it kind of i i guess i sort of covered this prior to even talking about the the whole top 10 list but i think that it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking perfection is is a is an is a reasonable expectation and thinking that because the Brady bunch exists that that's what we should all be striving towards and so i think that part of the reason why it's all difficult is kind of the 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 point or the 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 crux of this of this tip is because i think if you come at parenting or step parenting with expectations that are reasonable, or even better, no expectations at all, then no matter what you do, you're going to feel a sense of accomplishment when things go well. Um, there is no right or wrong way to parent. Um, you know, it's there's just different choices, and then whether or not those choices work out, um, and whether or not those end up being the best possible thing for your child, you know, you'll have to modify and accommodate around that. Um, but, but I think, you know, just the, just I, starting out with just by saying it's a difficult job to parent. It's a difficult job to step parent. Don't expect perfection, you know, do the best you can. And that's enough. 
Well, for, at first, you and, know? and and that's where I think you know leading into number nine, right? You know. So number nine is um, before everything begins, before the the the, wed- the wedding or marriage, before moving in together, before becoming a blended family. Um, you really need to figure out what the boundaries should be with you and your partner. And what I mean by boundaries is not boundaries you have um, in terms of uh, your your boundaries with your partner. It's boundaries about the kids themselves. And so the examples that I was thinking of mostly were things like, you know, who's going to be, you know, the disciplinarian for kids? You know, is it going to be both? Is it going to be one? Is it going to be the other? Who sets the rules and expectations? How are the rules or expectations different for kids of different ages? And, and a lot of that's going to be, you know, based off ages of children. You know, if you have really young ones and you get in a relationship and you get married, they're going to get to an age when you start having consequences and they're in late middle, elementary school, middle school. They're not going to know any different than you guys being together. So it might not be so much as you know, stepmom or stepdad, whereas if you get together when, you know, they're in, you know, late elementary, middle school, and it's, they already have, you know, mom as, you know, a, a huge part, and, and or dad, it, it's hard to come at it, and it might take longer to, you know, step in that role, whether you're comfortable or not. So I think that, you know, it, I don't, I don't necessarily think that there was a conversation per se that Josh and I ever had. Like we never did premarital counseling or anything that was structured where we had a conversation about, well, this is how I want our children to be raised and these are the rules that I want them raised with. Um, We dated for about a year before we got married and we lived together for about, what, like I guess eight months or so before we got married, maybe not quite that long. Um, And... I think that we had a pretty good sense of each other's kind of moral compass. And so I know that one of the things that we learned about each other very quickly, like in the very beginning, was that we had similar values and we were raised similarly. Um, And so I think because of that, that helped kind of guide our principles in terms of the way we were raising our kids. Um, I also knew that um, the way I, my son was being raised with my ex-husband, while you know it wasn't detrimental and it wasn't harmful, it wasn't the way I wanted to raise my son. I knew that there were things that needed to change in order for my son to be the best version of himself that he could be. And so I think that um, we also have, a couple of our kids have um, you know, learning issues or kind of emotional issues that sort of need to be factored into all of that. And so while I would never, I wouldn't say that Josh and I had a conversation specific to this, but but we've, got, we've made it very clear to one another kind of where we stand. Well, I think a lot of the times, depending on what the situation with the kids, like if, if they got in trouble at school or something happened where we had time to talk prior to, you know, giving out consequences or, you know, made sure we were both on the same picture before we had a conversation with the kids, you know, we did that, I think, you know, especially at the, you know, early off, if something happened, the, the non, you know, biological parent would sit there and, and let, you know, me talk to the girls or her talk to her son. And then if the other one wanted to be like, do you have anything you want to say, you know, 
or add to what I've already said, and you know, we sort of let that go. Now that's trial and error. You could, you know, we've talked afterwards, yeah. and, and we've both voiced you know certain opinions, you know, from that. But one of the things that I will say is never correct a person, you know, your significant other in front of the kid because that's taking power away from that one person immediately, right. and that that child's going to see like. Well, I don't have to listen to Kelly because daddy already contradicted her, right. you know, so. And I think that, like, you know, everybody makes mistakes and everybody kind of has to kind of backpedal on things that they do. And we certainly didn't choose to do things perfectly in the beginning. I think that we both had to accommodate um, the way we thought things should be and kind of, like, look at the other person's perspective and, and figure out kind of where we stood together as a couple and I think that one thing that we both were very clear on from the very beginning and one thing that we've been good about sticking at, sticking to is um, raising them the same, um, having the same expectations. Um, our son and, and our youngest daughter, we've said this before, are about four or five months apart. And so li- they are quite literally um, in the same grade and essentially the same age. So we have the exact same expectations for both of them. We have the same bedtimes. We have the same... Um, you know, breakfasts. We have the the same rules about using electronics or the watching TV. Um, we expect the exact same thing from them. Our older daughter, who's in middle school, we allow her to go to bed a little bit later. Um, you know, she has a little bit more liberties with using electronics, things like that. Um, but overall, that has nothing to do with the fact that she's not my biological daughter and she is Josh's. It's just because she's an older child, and those are privileges that you know she you she know, got because she was in middle school and we right. talked about that you know we were obviously together when all three of them were in elementary school and all the rules applied straight across the right. board and we had a conversation before our oldest went into middle school like hey you know she's in middle school now you know 30 minutes difference you know and, and we agreed upon it we you know explained the rules and we went from there and the, and so i think that that's mm something that we are that we've done well um and that's something that I I really can't stress enough that you know whether it's a whether it's a strategic conversation or whether it's just it's something that is kind of built into the the fabric of your relationship it's really important that you are aware of where you know where your partner stands on that where they feel about you know how they feel about discipline how they feel about making rules about how things are going to be taken care of in that realm Um, Number eight, tip number eight is to remember the boundaries that you need to keep regarding your stepchildren. Um, And the first, so number nine was before the beginning, set boundaries with your partner, and that was about kind of how to raise the children. Number eight is about the boundaries that you need to maintain um, in order to have a healthy relationship with your children. And this is mainly in relationship to how you are going to relate to them and how you are going to avoid overstepping or encroaching upon the relationship they have with their other parent that you're not married to. So in my case, my stepdaughter's mother, and in Josh's case, um, our son's father. Um, This is a tough one, I think, because I think, you know, there's this dance we do, especially when there's a high conflict situation, but also just when you are, you know, sort of trying to make yourself a part of someone's life in a positive way, but you don't want to be 
overly, like seem overly uh, pushy about being in their lives and trying to relate to them. And you also don't want to seem too aloof and too removed. You want to, you know, you want to seem like you actually care. And it's a dance. It's, it's definitely a, a kind of a self-negotiation where you, you know, you, you push forward and you pull back and it changes. Um, it evolves. It is never stagnant or stationary regardless of how long you've been in somebody's life, regardless of how long you've been in the kid's life, um, because children by nature are constantly changing. So whereas you might have started dating your spouse 18, when, you're, when the child was like 18 months old and they don't know a life without you, their loyalty to their other parent is still something that is going to influence them throughout the course of their childhood. So they, you know, there will be times where you're going to be particularly close to your stepchild and feel like you've got a really strong emotional connection. And then there are going to be times where you feel like that you're very distant and you're not necessarily even sure why that's the case. Um, and there's, a, there's another tip kind of about loyalty later where we can touch more on that in some specific ways. But just generally speaking, it's good to know that um, you know, when you're setting those boundaries, that the boundaries are constantly changing, that they're not necessarily, you're not going to set the boundary, and that's the boundary forever. It might be that for the first year or so, you're, you know, you're kind of hands off about certain things, and you allow your spouse to take care of things when it comes to the kids. And then, you know, once time has passed, and they've gotten a little bit older or more used to you or whatever, then you may play a more active role. Um, you know, and, and there's, you know, it could go a multitude of different ways. Well, and that's also going to be as far as how active <laughs> the other, you know, in my case, the other, you know, dad is going to be in the relationship. There's been some things that, you know, especially early on, I let go hoping, you know, that our son's dad would, would step up and, and do something and... Then it got to a point I'm like, all right, if he's not doing it, then I'm going to do it. And, you know, these, you know, before I even did anything, it was always a discussion with Kelly about it. Um, and, and the other thing I, I want to say is that, you know, we had this discussion. We just had a, a family meeting the other night with our, our kids because behaviors and attitudes. And Christmas. One of the, and, you know, with Christmas and stuff and just all along behaviors that, have changed over the last year with our custody stuff. And one of the things that I, I reminded the children that this is our house. When they're here, this is our family. I don't care what the rules are at your other you know, parents' house. These are our rules. And whether you like them or not, you will follow them here. And so that's one of the things that you know, with being a step-parent, you're gonna get looked at it like, well, you're not my mom, you're not my dad. Well, guess what? I'm married to your mom or I'm married to your dad and we live in this house and so do you. So you are going to follow this rules because that's what your dad says to me and you're going to follow it, you know, or your mom says to me. So, you know, we, we are really big sticklers on that um, in this house. Um, I think number seven is fighting is hard and loving can be harder. You know, it's funny because I think that one of the things that is sort of the dirty little secret of step-parenting is that, you know, fighting and having personality conflicts with, with your stepkids is, is something really ex expected and normal, and people talk about that. But the thing that people don't talk about is that when you first meet and fall in love with your spouse, that doesn't necessarily directly correlate with meeting and falling in love with their kid. Like, it, it takes time, sometimes much, much longer 
than you would necessarily expect um, to, to feel that same level of love and attachment. Sometimes you never feel the same level of love and attachment, particularly if you get into somebody's life when they are much older, like if they have older children who are like literally married um, and, and, and making, you know, making lives of their own or even, you know, older teenagers, um, you know, it's, it's possible that the connection will always be somewhat distant because there just wasn't the opportunity there to create a stronger connection. But it's okay for it to take time and it's okay for the situation to be uncertain, especially when it comes to your emotions because really and truly loving someone and feeling that, that bond with them is not something that just comes without work or without sacrifice or without attention. Um, there, there can be a lot of changes that have to go on in your life um, in order to be able to, to accommodate that love. And so while we are often very you know, understanding of, of step-parents when they talk about fighting with their stepkids or having personality clashes, especially, you know, as when at just at the very beginning of a relationship, we, you know, that, that certainly happens. I would say that, you know, the, the love part of it and those love relationships really can be even more challenging than the fighting. And if that's the case, then, you know, that's okay. That can be worked on. That can be developed and helped. And, and it's, it really is just a matter of, you know, putting the time and the work and the commitment into it. I think that, this piggybacks pretty well onto number eight prior to that with the boundaries that you need to keep with your stepkids and not overstepping or trying to overshadow their other parent, of the, the parent of the same gender as you. Um, and I think that there could very well be, you know, long periods of time where your spouse, you know, feels, you know, a very strong sense of love with their child and that you might just not be there yet. And that's, and that's something that is, is absolutely normal, and it's something that you need to be gentle on yourself about and not feel inadequate or like you are a hard, you know, cold, mean person who is, is too, too distant or, or whatever. You're you know, often going to feel that kind of disconnect, which is sort of unavoidable, you know, depending on your situation. So, you know, give yourself a little bit of a break if that's the case. If, if you feel like you are, you know, not, if, if you're not making that, that love connection right away with, with your stepkids. Because I, in personal experience, I met and fell in love with Josh, and it was nine months prior to me meeting his, his kids for the first time. And that, in our case, was not out of um, choice. That wasn't our choice. That was not something that we would have, I would have met them much earlier had it been on under our terms, um, but that's just not what happened. And so my connection to our daughters has been a much more difficult road to travel than... Definitely a huge roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, than, than Josh's connection with our son. And part of that was because, you know, within, you know, the first month or so of us dating, you know, Josh was introduced into my son's life, and Josh has been, you know, my son was six when Josh and I started dating and so he really he's not going to remember a life without Josh I mean it, it really he's always you know going to remember him as as sort of his second dad and so Josh has always had a a really strong hand in our son's kind of development and his education and his, and his discipline and 
um, you know, the, the sports or activities that he's involved with. And, and that, I would say, in many ways, is a, a more successful model of step-parenting. Um, it than, doesn't mean it's been easy. You know, no. we, we've actually had, um, you know, something recently that has happened. And, and it, it was, I, I don't blame him because he doesn't, you know, doesn't really understand what he said was hurtful because... You know, I'm sure we've talked about this before. We don't, you know, you hear the way we're talking now. I almost slip up and say our children's names because going Kelly's son is is not what I do. You know, I have three kids. I have two daughters and a son. And, you know, I say I have a 12-year-old daughter and two 10-year-olds. And they're like, oh, you have twins. No, you know, and that's the only time that I refer to him being my stepson. And... He had done something wrong, and I went up to talk to him because I wasn't home for the initial talk with Kelly and, and her ex um, with him. So I started talking to him, and I you know, kept on referring to him as my son. And he said, I'm not your, I'm not your son, I'm your stepson, and you're not my dad. And he, he said, you don't have a son. And that hurt, and I, you know, I came down and, and told Kelly, and I teared up saying it. I was like... You know, he said a lot of stupid things, and that one actually cut me, and and I had to walk away. And I'm also the type of person that holds grudges, and to the point where I, I at one point I didn't talk for either of my parents for two years, you know, and they tried to reach out and I, I wouldn't, and so it was like I was trying to prevent that, you know, I I at no point during you know the entire time, even if I was upset about it now have I ever not said I love you to him when he's, you know, he said I love you to me. Um, I hug him. I, you know, wake him up in the morning, get everything dressed. But he knew that I, you know, we, we've let him know what he said, you know, hurt me. But I also know he's a kid. He's not really understanding things. So that's one thing with your stepchildren that you, you got to understand there are so many factors that are playing in it, you know, they're, they they have another parent, you know, whether you're the dad and the stepdad or stepdad and or you're the stepmom. So certain roles, you know, you have to set that, the, like Kelly said, those boundaries. And and that's why we had that conversation the other night is this is our house. You know, Kelly is the mom of this house and Josh is the dad of this house and you are the children. And we have the rules, and what Kelly says is just as much as what Josh says, and what Josh says is just as much as Kelly says. And one of the biggest things is that united front that you let those kids, because even if you're a married couple and all of those kids are yours, I know I did it to my parents, and I'm sure Kelly did it to you with, with hers. You play mom and dad against each other. If mom says no, you go to dad and ask dad, and dad says yes, and then you get mom and dad arguing. and. Yeah. Regardless of what our children, you know, come and ask us, we 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 go. What did Kelly say? Why well, didn't ask Kelly? All right, I, and I usually will go ask her, or if, or go, you know, say it's fine or whatever. And I still check, and if I check and find out that they asked and Kelly said no, then they get in trouble, and and vice versa. And so they they get a, a you know a lot of crap, and they all know, you know, we don't have the the co-parenting with my side but with 
Kelly and, and, and our son, we've let him know that like the stupid stuff that he does in his dad house and the stupid stuff that he does here, all three of us talk. So like his lies get caught because we all three talk and make sure that his story is straight. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, piggybacking onto that is number six, which is um, age is a whole lot more than a number, meaning expect that the relationship you have with your stepchildren to change as they get older um, or as time passes. So uh, we mentioned kind of earlier before we started talking about these tips that you know it really applies to us and our personal experience and that if you have kids of certain ages, it may or may not be helpful to you. And this really caters specifically to that. Because if you have a very small child, like you're not necessarily going to be talking about discipline with your with your spouse and they're not going to be considering that aspect of it. However, there are other things like, you know, regular doctor appointments or um, daycare, um, you know, uh, late night bedwetting, you know, just, just, you know, the use of a pacifier, sucking thumbs. I mean, there's, there's so many developmental issues, not issues, but um, subject matter that, that you need to, to kind of cover. And a lot of times when children are younger, the other parent um, that is the, you know, the, the, the mom and the dad, and then whoever the step-parent is, um, usually the mom and the dad play pretty integral roles in, in, this, in the child's life. And so the step-parent has to kind of navigate that relationship to figure out where they can play an important part in the life of that child and where they're going to have to step back and defer to the mother or the father, depending on you know, the situation. And a lot of times those can, those can be very tricky. And, and I would say that you know, the reverse is true with when you have an, a much older child where you know, depending on how toxic or unhealthy the relationship that child has with their other, their other parent or either sets of parents, um, you know, it could very much be that that child feels torn between and, and like they, they want to kind of isolate or ice out the step parent. And, and so there's, there's, different, there's different dances and, and different kind of strategies that you have to use in order to be successful um, when you are dealing with, with change and, and, and the, the kind of unavoidable but also really instrumental changes that go through children as they, you know, go from age zero to 18. Um, so I think that it's important to, even when you have established a strong relationship with your five-year-old stepchild, it's important to, you know, like not rule number 10, you know, have the expectation of imperfection because at some point you're going to have a really strong relationship with your stepchild. And at other points, you're going to feel like you barely know them. And those things don't necessarily, they're not mutually exclusive of one another and they don't necessarily come in times that you would expect. You know, you might think that, you know, when you've been in someone's life for five years that you're going to have a stronger relationship than ever. But, you know, case in point, you can, with, with my stepdaughters, you know, I was much closer with them years prior when we ha didn't necessarily have the same living situation we have now. We might not have seen them quite as much, but we felt this kind of really strong connection. And now that they live with us full time, um, and, and only see their mom on the weekends, um, we've, we found that their relationship with me is much more strained and distant. And, you know, and, and we don't know the, the exact reason why, 
but we have some pretty good guesses. Yeah, we play a lot as far as like, is it the age or, or you know, like Kelly says, you know, an age is a whole lot more than a number or is it influence from the other parent? And we have a lot, a, a lot of I mean, hard, a hard time with it because there's so many things and behaviors that when they come back to us that they have that are different you know, they're different kids, yep. you know, it, even it, just after a couple of days, it, it shows it's even worse over the summer when we do week on and week off and they come back and they're different kids. And, you know, we have to, it takes three days to cycle them back to normal. And then, you know, it's usually the last two days they're normal and then they go back and do, yep. we do it all over again. And, and we, we, we touched on that, you know, in our family meeting because it was like, you know, no one's trying to substitute or, you know, take over the mom role. Kelly's not trying to replace their mom. And, and she's a huge asset. You know, she they have two moms. And we've had this discussion with our son. You have two dads. You should be grateful for that. You know, especially in his case, like, we all get along for the most part. And there there's no fighting like there is with, with my situation. But Kelly's not at any point try to cut you know our, our girl's uh, mother out you know we do our best to you know if we do talk about their their mother that they're not around or they're asleep and and so they sh- for the most part you know wouldn't be able to hear those things but we do know because of the type of person she is that there's there's that influence coming from there right and i think that you know in this case the best thing to do is just remember that you know, change is the only constant in the universe and that age is part of that change and that with kids in particular, that change is going to be incredibly influential in the way that they approach you and, and, and that the best thing for you to, is to do is to, um, you know, just be cognizant of that. Um, number five kind of uh, builds on that whole idea of being aware of change and being ready for it. Number five is to be prepared to accommodate um, the things that you should and to choose your battles because you are the adult. Um, This kind of, you know, takes this a little bit further or a little bit deeper, but when you're um, having a personality conflict with with a stepkid or, I mean, with with a child in general, but but certainly with your stepchildren, particularly when this has to do with rules or expectations that are not being followed or when it's just a request that isn't being um, honored. Um, you can certainly, by all means, make you know a big deal out of things that are small and make your life as difficult as possible. Or you can be ready to let things go in order to accommodate the life that you're living and the relationship that you're having and try and make everybody a little bit less miserable. Um, now, what somebody looks at as a large battle or a small battle is going to be really specific to them and, and their relationship and their family. But what I'm thinking here in terms of more small battles are, are, are going to be things like, you know, if you've asked all of the family members to wear a certain color, you know, for a family event so that you can all look similar and your stepdaughter refuses to do that. Um, you know, yes, it might look weird in pictures and she might not necessarily look like everybody else does. Um, but is it worth a huge fight? Is it worth a knockdown, drag out, you know, screaming match? Or is it something that you can just, you know, pass off as, hey, she's 14. She's not going to do what I ask her to do right now. 
you know, let's just let this go. I'll Photoshop a blue shirt in later. Well, and even if you don't, it's always that, you know, good talking point when you show someone the picture and they're like, oh, why so-and-so in a blue shirt? Like, oh, she was being a brat that day. Right, exactly. <laughs> she wanted to be different. She wasn't getting her way, so this was her reason. And we gave, we, you know, you didn't give in. You just didn't choose to, to you know, you chose your battles and didn't, you know, want to fight it. Exactly. You want to be the one person wearing the that. Ball, they're the one looking out. Right. So everybody looks the same. Well, and I think that you're not, you know, it's the whole, whole idea of you win more, you know, more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. You're not going to win any, you know, personal praise or, or any, anyone's adulation by fighting with your stepchild about something as trivial as the shirt that they're wearing or, um, you know, them doing the dishes in a way that you feel is, is incorrect or, you know, leaving one article of clothing on their floor. Um, I think that there are, you can certainly do, depending on what the, what the thing is, what the problem is, like you can certainly pass the buck, which I think Josh and I do do that every now and then where we, we feel like something is happening with the other child, you know, with the other person's child, biological child. And for whatever reason, we just don't feel comfortable approaching that topic. And so we, we punt it to each other and say, hey, I noticed this thing about, you know, so-and-so today. Would you mind asking him or her about it? Um, and I would say the same thing occurs, you know, vice versa in terms of gender. Since, you know, my son is my biological son and, and Josh has two daughters, there are sometimes girl things and boy things that need to kind of be covered or discussed or thought about and sometimes we'll punt that to one another as well. But for the most part, um, I think that we try to, to delegate, you know, within our, within our own ranks, you know, how we're going to handle things. And if it seems like the problem is only getting bigger, the bigger deal we make about it, then a lot of times we'll just end up dropping it. Um, you know, this is... To our detriment sometimes, I definitely think there have been times where there should have been stronger consequences or there should have been more restrictions or, you know, there should have been just just more of something that we just really didn't, you know, satisfactorily cover. Um, but life is busy. And-, and and I'll take the blame on that. And that, that has been a lot with me. And we actually talked about this and uh, recently. And a lot of it is... I, I'm I'm tired of it, <laughs> you know. It's 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 been a long, you know. Like I said, with the, with me, it's been the five years, you know, the almost or six years and the four years with Kelly, almost four years with Kelly with fighting this court battle, and you know, it, it's the the not listening, and there's only you know, there's only so much you get through. You're like, right. hey, they listen for a day, and then the next day they're you know they're doing the same stupid thing that you want to yell at them about, and it's like. You get so frustrated, and a lot of the things you know with us is electronics, and you know with our oldest, her phone is, is ours underneath our plan. We bought it. You know with with our son, it's his dad underneath his dad, and then with our youngest, yeah, um, she has a phone, and it and it's with her mom. So we could take things away from this house from all of them, and we could take the phone away from the oldest when she goes away. However, you know, that's usually the one communication and, and, you know, I can track her. And a lot of times it's doesn't really matter where they are. It's more of like, I see you where they are and just like, I laugh at the things. It's not like I'm worried about anything. Um, 
because I can't control it. Even, you know, regardless of what their mother does, I, I can't control it. It's sort of, you know, it, it's a, in a way, it's keeping my daughter truthful. I'm like, oh, where were you this weekend? Right. Well, you better answer it correctly because I already know where you were. Right. Um, and so it, it's hard to to choose those things. And then, you know, we both work full-time jobs and we have, you know, days are, are long and activities. And sometimes it's like, I don't have the energy to fight because that's where I'm going to go with it. I'm going to get, you know, especially me, cause I'm zero to a hundred. I, I, I'm calm, calm, calm. And then the kid pushes that button and I'm, I'm there. And so I try to, <laughs> I avoid things sometimes because I'm just going to lose, lose it on them. And other things, you know, are going to come out that I'm angry with them about, or I'm angry with their mother about. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, it, that, that is definitely me. I, I do drop the ball on that a lot. <laughs> um, so number four is, um, that actually this works out really, I don't, I didn't really like, there's not necessarily a flow to these, but I feel like the way we're talking about them, it's sort of working out that way. So it's nice. Number four is you can only control your own household. So try not to stress about what you cannot control. Um, yeah, this is such a big one. And I think that it's something that we still struggle with sometimes because it's really, it's difficult. And be, this is both households, you know, with our son and with our daughters. Yeah, you know, you're, if you have stepkids, you are raising your own children part of the time. Part of the rest of the, the rest of the time, you know, the other half of the time or, or even portion of the time, they are being raised by someone that you chose not to stay with. Whether you were married or not, you are no longer together. You are, you, there might be, you know, multiple different reasons that you're not together, but at least one of them is because you had some sort of personality conflict or, you know, some sort of disagreement in, in, in philosophies. Yeah, and you might have different rules, but then you also might spite each other so much that, well, dad said I can't do this. Well, forget him. Right. I'm, I'm going against him just because. I might not, uh, I might agree with him on the consequence or, or whatever it is, but I'm going to go the opposite just to spite him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and I think too that like, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that, you know, there are, like the parenting philosophies are literally the like direct opposites. But I mean, I think that there are definitely the way we have chosen, we, we run a tight ship. I guess that's what I want to say. We've got very strict bedtimes. We have pretty strict um, schedules in terms of like, you know, routines and what the kids do each day and what they're responsible for. When we have them on the weekends, there are chore charts that, that they complete. There are, um, you know, I would say we're not nearly as strict on them as I wish we were. Well, and but the, the, well, the one thing that we're really strict is to no electronics before noon. Uh, on, on the weekends, yeah. Weekends. We, I mean, they're not allowed to have electronics in the morning before school either. But, um, but yeah, on the weekends, there's uh, when they can have electronics, there's no electronics before noon. Um, and you know we we just we generally try to monitor things as best as we can while still you know remaining somewhat sane and, and not losing our minds. Whereas like the opposite is when they're with their you know their other parents is they're allowed to have their electronics in the morning before school. They're allowed to have it you know all nights of the hours. You know I know with our, our daughters that whether it's a you know the only school night that they have with their mother is Sunday. But I've checked their phone, and they've been on it at 11 o'clock at night, and it, 
and again, the only thing I can do is, you know, usually I see it because they're on Instagram or something, and I'm like, I hope you go to bed right now. And I usually tell them, like, you're not going to get your phone when you get here, so I hope you enjoy it right now. And then when they, you know, they get here, I could tell because they pass out at 9 o'clock at night, and we, you know, without any, you know, prompting. They're like, I'm going to bed. I'm tired. Right. Like, well, and they almost, the yeah, I was going to say, and they almost always get sick this time of year in particular when they're with us for the longer stretches of time because they're exhausted from the weekends when they didn't sleep and they didn't do what they were, you know, they, what they should do. And so I think that the point of this tip is really not to just harp on the fact that there are differences because there certainly are going to be differences between every household but it's more just to stress the fact that you can't control it. And so if, I know this is gonna be challenging, but you need to try really hard not to hold the child accountable for the way they're being parented elsewhere. Yes, they know better. Yes, they know better than to stay up until three o'clock in the morning. Yes, they know better to be, I mean, literally we would see text messages on our daughter's phone between her and her mother at three o'clock in the morning over the summer. And it, I mean, we were on fire. We were so angry. Well, and, and that was another, you know, topic in, in our family meeting the other night is I can't control what you do over at your other parents' house. However, you know better. Right. You know the rules here and you know that you shouldn't be doing that, you know, and you shouldn't be making the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, there are definitely elements of accountability that you can, you know, you hold a child to when they're not with you. You know, if, if you have an older child and that child is, you know, pulled over by the police for speeding or if, you know, God forbid, they end up in an accident or arrested or something like, yes, of course, you would hold them accountable for their actions. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about how the rules or might be different or non-existent when they are with the other parent. Um, how they might be allowed to watch rated R movies when they're 10 years old and stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning when they're 10 years old when they're with the other parent. Whereas that's never something that you would allow in your home. Um, you know, in the end, there's nothing that you can do to influence or change anything that's happening at the other parent's household. And so the best thing for you to do is, you know, run your household the way you want to run it and have the children live, you know, within the confines of that so that they know the difference between, you know, what, what's right and what's working and what's organized and how to, you know, function in a normal environment. And then they'll have their weekend or, the, or they'll have their time or whatever with, with the other parent that is not structured and, you know, that is not monitored. And, you know, it'll, it'll be challenging for you to get them back on track every week, but they will, they will fall back in line because just like having that weekend crazy time is, is something that they look forward to, they also look forward to have the routine and they also look forward to the structure. They might not realize it, but they do. Um... Number three, I think is, at least for me right now, one of the most difficult and most prominent kind of issues. Um, but it's, it's a tip that I think that parents and step-parents really need to hear and understand. And that's about loyalty. Um, so tip number three is loyalty is powerful, but not personal. Meaning you really need to try the best you can to not be offended by the loyalty that your stepchild feels to their quote unquote real mother or real father. Um, you know, just like the story that Josh was talking about with our son saying that he wasn't his dad and, and that he didn't have a son, you know, that, and, and I'm not saying that that's loyalty as much as, you know, that was, that, that's not necessarily loyalty, but, but the whole concept of our son having 
quote unquote real father and our daughters having a quote unquote a real mother. Um, that loyalty is something that we've actually seen become increasingly prominent and something that they are increasingly defensive about, even though I've been in the, the lives of our daughters for long, you know, for quite a long time now, and the same thing with Josh with our son. So, you know, I, I see far more loyalty to their mother now by them than I ever did in the beginning when we were first dating and, and even when we first got married. That loyalty that they're feeling is it's it's a very of a very protective nature. Um, I think that they have some really strong beliefs, kind of implications that if they say something about their their mother doing something wrong, that that custody will be taken away from her, that they would lose time with her, and so they are you know silent about what happens when they're with her, and they they try to be very evasive and 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 very quiet about any, you know, issues that are going on while they're with their mom, just, you know, in an effort to protect her and to protect themselves from losing her. And I think that in turn, sometimes I then bear the brunt of that issue because I am the flip side of that coin. You know, I am a, a, a person who is, you know, lo- you know, with their dad and, and married to their dad and and, and kind of living this life with him that technically I think that they would like their mom to live. And so I don't think that this, the loyalty that the, the child feels to their real parent is not, it, it doesn't lessen the love that they feel towards you. But there are going to be times in their lives, certainly as their hormones develop and as they change, where that loyalty is going to feel incredibly important to them and where it's going to feel like, you know, like like they're choosing sides and like they're picking someone over you. And it really, I, I know that it sounds much easier said than done, but it's really important to try not to look at that personally, that their choice to, to be, you know, kind of faithful and supportive of this other parent is out of, you know, a protective love and a desire and a need to, to, you know, be, be there for that person and try and support them, especially if that person isn't remarried and doesn't have a relationship. Yeah. I mean, they could see that person as, you know, in all, you know, purpose with this is the weaker person. Mm -hmm. So they need more, more attention, (coughs) excuse me, and more love and care. Whereas, you know, when they're here, they see that we, you know, me and Kelly have each other. We love each other. You know, they see the affection, and you know, we're not going anywhere. Right. You know? Right. And and we we have these talks with the kids to let them know because, like I said before, regardless of your parents being married, my my you know my parents are divorced now, but as a kid, my parents were married until I was 22, and I was out of the house in the military, and so what I know as my parents is a loving house and everything like that. And I played them against each other all the time. <laughs> you know, my mom was the hard ass on me and my dad only was, you know, the hard ass when mom pushed him to it. And me and my mom fought like cats and dogs all, all the time. And, and so we remind them all the time that the three of you are moving out. Yep. <laughs> we are staying here. <laughs> and it was funny because uh, sometimes with our son, you know, Kelly will say, uh, call me baby, and he will respond, and she, she goes, no, I'm talking to Josh, and he takes offense to it, and 
you know, she says like my man, and 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 he was like, "Oh, do you mean no, Josh?" And and sometimes it, it's it's hilarious, but I, we I have to remind him like you are leaving. You will not live with your mother for the rest of your life. God willing, yeah. I will. And so we're, we're <laughs> you know we joke about hey, once they move out, we're we're selling our house and we're moving and not notifying them where we're living just so they can't come back and, and try to live with us. Yep. No, and and I mean I think that they are. I think that they they feel fairly strongly about, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. My son, our son feels a very, a very strong allegiance to his father and the relationship he has with his father is nothing like the relationship he has with me or with Josh. The same goes for our daughters. I think they feel an incredibly strong allegiance to their mother and the relationship they have with their mother is nothing like the relationship they have with Josh or with me. I think that... Um, you know, loyalty is a positive quality in kids. And so even if you are seeing them as, even if, even if the, that, that quality is sort of seems to be reflecting negatively upon you at this very moment, try to remember that their, their desire to, their desire to, you know, be supportive of and loyal to their other parent is really, you know, it comes from a good place. Um, number two in the tips is to model a strong marriage and to show the children how um, marriage can succeed um, and how that you, in fact, do love their parent, their, their mother, or their father, whoever it is that you are married to. Um, you know, part of the reason why you have stepchildren is because there was a failed marriage at one point. And I think that, you know, it's... <laughs> It's true that the statistics are against us, those of us who have second marriages and beyond, um, that, you know, the, the more marriages you have, the higher the rate of divorce is. Um, you know, that's just statistically true. But that doesn't mean that you have to, obviously, fall into the stereotype. And it doesn't mean that you can't prove that marriage can, in fact, be strong, even if it's a second or third or et cetera marriage. And you know, with our kids, we have tried very hard to model what we feel a strong, healthy relationship looks like because we, you know, in the, in both cases, because their other counterpart parents are still single, they're not seeing a healthy version of a relationship or really much of any relationship at all with their other parent. And so I think that we both feel pretty, you know, pretty strongly about making, making the, our marriage, um, you know, just being, being as, you know, visibly committed to one another and to this family as possible. And, and I think, you know, with the, you know, all of our children's uh, other parents, I think them being single, the, and, and I'm not knocking that, 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 that they're single. The one issue that I would say, you know, if you're a single parent is you need to watch your boundaries with your children. Yeah. They are not someone that you then develop a relationship with. Right. They're not you, your buddy. You, you don't talk to them as if you're friends. You don't do th- you know do stuff with them. Take them to you know baseball games. Take them to the mall and go shopping. But then to have that same conversation where you're sitting down and talking about adult stuff or being really gossipy. Like my my daughters are into the, like the, the celebrity gossip stuff, and you know we have a hard time getting into it. And ninety nine percent of the crap my daughters come home and say oh so-and-so had a baby I'm like who the heck is that yeah or so-and-so like the the other day my my oldest was like 
do you know who 6ix9ine is? I'm like, the only reason I knew is because I saw something that flashed on Facebook and saw that he was a rapper and he was going to jail. And it was a meme and it was like, maybe he should have rethought having 6ix9ine uh, tattooed on his face huh? to go to jail. And so that was the only reason I knew who this person was. And like, I, I don't, I knew, and he knew he was a rapper. I couldn't pick out what he, you know, the music, his music anywhere. But that was, a, you know, a connecting point with my daughters. And, and one, of the, one of the things that we have struggled with is when they, you know, especially with the girls, is they come back and they talk to us about Carly B had her baby. I'm like, Cardi, again, Cardi, Cardi B. See, I, I don't even know the name. Cardi B had a baby. And, and I know Kelly you know, struggled with listening. It, like, she didn't have any input on it, but she sat there and listened to it. Where Like, lots of people have babies. Like, and so, I'm, like, I've got we, nothing. We struggle with certain, you know, a lot of things with them that they enjoy that their their mother likes. And Our 10-year-old. Our 10-year-old. Yeah. This is, I mean, I think this is where I'm at. I'm like, they're 10 and 12. They're 10 and 12 years old. Like, it's great that they know that Cardi B had a baby. I don't really care about that. The fact that they're excited about it is what concerns me. You know, why in the world do you care? Um, so, yeah, no. I mean, I think that it, if they were 17 talking about this stuff or even, you know, I, I teach high school and so my kids are mostly 13, 14 and up. And even at that age, I can see them being at all invested in this person having a baby or, or any of that kind of celebrity gossip. But the fact that at 10 and 12, they're so into it, and the fact that I know that they're into it because of, of it's something that their mom really enjoys, it's just, you know, it's something that concerns us. You know, going back to the, you know, the whole number four, you can only control your own household thing. Yes, that's absolutely true. However, I can't help but, you know, be, be challenged by that whole thing. We, we, we usually try to, you know, redirect them and talk, you know, get them to somewhere else on topics. You know, that's the one thing, you know, with, with our son, he he tends to talk about cars a lot, which is not that huge of a deal. I like, you know, motorcycles and and and, and Jeeps and, and stuff like that. But he's also he goes to car shows with his dad. And so he's like, blah, 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 Lamborghini this. And I'm like, cool. It's a million dollar car. I'm never going to own it. So I don't care. <laughs> like, exactly. so, like, that's the way I am. It's like. It looks cool. I'll t you know take a picture of it when it drives by, you know, and things like that. But other than that, it, it's it doesn't I, you know it doesn't pique my interest. But you know, I I talk to him about it and, and things like that. I'm trying to think other things with him that you know that he has with his dad that I have troubles with. You know, and usually it, it's it's not much other than that. Um, so as we're kind of, we're, we've approached the hour, I think we're going gone over the hour quite, like just a little bit. So we'll go ahead and give our, our number one tip, our last tip. And really these are in no real order, to be honest with you. There's not one that's more important or better than, than the rest. It was just kind of going from 10 to one. But number one is to remember that kids are kids for 18 years. Um, and, and after 18 years, and to an extent a little bit before those 18 years, they are more adults than they are children. And that, that's the relationship that will last the longest is the relationship with your adult stepchild and you. So try to be who you are, genuinely be yourself, and, and don't let anything cost you your own happiness. Um, I think that that really kind of sums up our whole philosophy behind the way we choose to live our life, the way we choose to navigate our marriage and our life as parents, um, both parenting together and separately. I think that we, um, you know, 
our our kind of mantra is the whole kids are only kids for 18 years and that, you know, after they are older, there are certain aspects of their personalities and things that challenge us that, that we won't have to be as, you know, challenged by because when they're adults, the, you know, and the maturity is there, there's not necessarily going to be the, those same concerns. Um, we're also not going to be raising children with people whom we don't particularly have a working relationship with. Well, and, and, and look at yourselves now. I mean, you know, most adults appreciate their parents being strict. As, as much as you hated them when you were late past your curfew and you got grounded or, or, or anything else in that situation and, and how strict your parents were, you, you go back now and you appreciate the things. And, and a lot of those things, you as a parent do the same thing that your parents are doing. Right. And, and so your kids are upset and mad at you. And just know that, you know, someday that they'll be like you and come back and, you know, thank you. I know with me, I'm like, I apologize to my parents a lot now going, I swear to God, I'm sorry if I was even half the way our kids are acting to me because they are such a pain in the ass right now. And if I was even close to it, I'm sorry for the things that, you know, I, I did. And, I think, and, yeah, and I was going to say, I think the, the best advice that we could possibly give is, you know, to try and be, to try and be genuine, to don't try and change yourself to make them happy or to look cool or trendy to your stepchildren just so that they like you better. Um, I, I think that, you know, I've struggled with that quite a bit. And one of the things that I've mentioned to, um, our daughter's therapist is sort of, you know, trying to figure out where exactly I fit in all of this when it comes to their relationship with their mom and trying not to overstep. And, and one thing that I've kind of committed to is that when they are here and, and when I don't have pneumonia, um, I'm very, you know, I'm pretty consistent about cooking every night. I cook dinner every night. I make sure dinner gets on the table, you know, at a certain time. And we don't go out to deep, eat very often. I, I almost always cook. Um, there's other household chores and tasks that I do, but that's one of the big ones. And, and their therapist was really kind of pointing out to me that that consistency of just being there and being there for them and in providing them with that consistent, you know, everyday reminder of someone who shows up and gives them that time, um, that's enough. That's all I need to be for them for right now. And well, if th that's all, if that's the only role that I play until they're adults, they'll still remember me as somebody who was there and who was consistent and who gave them the time. Well, and, you know, we also have the, the school week, so we, we're there for homework, school projects. Yeah. We just worked on one with our, our youngest daughter. And, you know, again, the birth to 18, it sounds short because it's only 18 years, but it feels so long. And some years are going to be a lot yeah, longer, longer than, than others, you know. Um, and some years, you know, are going to go, you know, and when it, the 18 years are up and they moved out, you're, you know, you're going to be like, where'd the time go? You know, they're gone. When are they coming back? Yeah. <clears throat> and some of those years, too, I think are going to feel challenging and you're going to have problems I mean really significant true problems with your children and your stepchildren and I think that trying to remain happy within your own relationship with your spouse and to use that time to work on each other and to remember why you're together and to model a strong marriage that all of those are things that you can focus on whether you're having a personality conflict with your stepchild or not um, you can still be working on your marriage to their parent and I think that they, they will, even if they're not thrilled with you for some other reason, they will see your commitment to 
their father or their mother. And that's one thing that they will always have in common with you, that they will never have in common with their other parent, which is the love that they have for the person you're married to and the love that you have for the person you're married to. Um, and I think that, that that's really where, you know, all of this needs to kind of come to fruition and, 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 and really kind of condense and, and settle in is that in the end you're a family. And just like all families have conflicts and rifts and problems, so will you have with your stepchildren. Um, you know, treat them like your kids because I think that that's the best way to, to choose to navigate all of this. And if you do that, you're not going to anticipate them liking you all the time or thinking that you're perfect. You're going to know, just like with your regular kids, <laughs> that they are, um, you know, that they're going to, you know, have issues with you and they're not going to like you. And at some point they're probably going to tell you they hate you and scream at you and want to move out, but that that's part of the teenage years that we all, you know, know and love so much. Um, you know, I think that just staying the course and and trying to, to build your family in a, as normal of a way as possible is, is really the best thing that you can do to, to create those long-lasting, successful step bonds um, as, as, you, as you move through the rest, of, the rest of the course of your marriage. So we are, I think this might be the longest-running show we've had so yeah, far. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say one thing at the end. Um, you know, before we get off, you know, like Kelly said, you know, these are just 10, 10 things that we put together. Um, you know, we'd like to hear from you guys. You know, you could, you know, put a comment at the uh, underneath the, the link to the podcast on our Facebook page, or 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 message us. You know, what what other uh, advices you guys might have or questions, or even you know, because it's the Christmas time. You know, things that you guys do during the holidays. You know, with your blended families. Yeah, anything that you have to contribute, we would definitely love to. You know, discuss, and we're always looking for ideas for show topics, things that people, you know, questions people have and want to ask and, and things that people want to talk about. We are here for you. Um, again, wholeheartedpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Wholehearted podcast, if you put that into the search box on Facebook, our page will come up. Um, and like Josh said, you can either send us a message directly or you can comment on the link to this show post, which should be up um, shortly. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, we appreciate it very much. We appreciate you giving us the time. And, and we do apologize for you know being gone so long, for you know being sick. But generally speaking, delays are just going to happen, I think. Yeah. But you know what? We're doing we're doing the best we can. Trying to get back into the routine. Exactly. So have a wonderful rest of your week. You know, have a great start to your holiday season. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wholehearted. Please visit our website, www.wholeheartedpodcast.org, to submit questions, find resources, or subscribe to the show. And if you like what you've heard today, we'd be wholeheartedly grateful if you'd rate the show on iTunes. See you next time.